Welcome to Spotlight by Play Crate. The kick in, here it comes. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! A podcast that shines some light on amazing people in the baseball world. Deja vu all over again, as uh, Yogi Berra would say. Introducing your host and the founder of Play Crate, Josh Ben. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Spotlight by Plate Crate. My name's Josh. I'm the founder and CEO of Plate Crate. This is a podcast where we shed some light on people in the baseball and softball community. This could be entrepreneurs, coaches, uh, anybody with an interesting story we can learn from. And this is actually season three, where we're just focusing on coaches, specifically hitting coaches right now. So what I did was reach out to some of my favorite hitting coaches, the people that I'm following, um, and learning from, and I came across Matt Lopes, uh, at Matt Lopes hitting. Um, and luckily we got him on today and we can, we can just nerd out over hitting. Um, so Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. Glad to be here. Thank you, Josh, for reaching out. I'm excited to do this. Yeah, of course. So, um, just like a, like a very small bit of background, like for, like I mentioned for, for season three, we just want to nerd out on baseball talk hitting, like I'm, you know, I'm 30 years old and I was such a baseball nerd and I don't play anymore. And I still just watch like hitting videos after hitting. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> like I'm not even, I don't even give lessons anymore, uh, which I did up until like a year or two ago, just cause I absolutely loved it. And I still work with some college kids like here and there. Um, and we, we find hitting videos that we like, so, you know, we can use it for context and you know, I came across a lot of your videos and I really like your, your style and it seems like your hitting philosophy and in your coaching philosophy. So I'm just, I'm pumped to have you on and just pick your brain. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I, I, I know exactly what you mean, man. It's, it's just, there's something like wired for us to just be obsessed about hitting or baseball or just like, you're just drawn to it, you know, and it could be anything like I can just scroll through hitting videos on YouTube or Instagram and just watch forever. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's been, I mean, like, I feel like there's been this like, like surge of just new information, new data, you know, in the past, like probably even like five years, maybe like it started 10 years ago. Um, but you know, obviously like when, when me and you are playing baseball, um, a lot different. Yeah. So much different. It, It was like down the hill, through the tunnel, up the hill, squish the bug, like all this like crazy stuff. Um, that was, people were just so dogmatic about it. I was like, this is how you hit. You just chop balls into the ground. Now it's completely different. So I'm like, so fascinated, just like learning about this new wave of hitting, which I, I'm like completely bought into. Um, but tell us a little bit about you and your, and your background. Like what's your background with baseball and how'd you end up where you are today? Um, so I am from South Florida. I live in, grew up in Deerfield beach, uh, about 15 minutes North of Fort Lauderdale, 20 minutes North. So you know, South Florida, big, big baseball area. Obviously, we got a lot of ta- local talent, but then we got the islands right there. You got all these um, players coming over. And, and I mean, it's just a surplus of talent down here. So baseball is real big. Um, grew, grew up playing a lot of different sports, but baseball is kind of always the main thing. And then in high school, started to get a little bit more serious about it. Um, I went to my local high school, Deerfield Beach, which at the time well when i was in middle school i was actually at like a private school and my high school was pretty good at the time or the one that i ended up going to and my first couple of years were a big high school we play um real competitive teams and we, we were really successful and then it kind of um my junior senior year wasn't you know weren't really successful didn't have a lot of exposure um i was a catcher 
So I, you know, I thought by the time I was a senior, well, my junior year, I had an injury. I didn't really perform. I wasn't really in the weight room like that yet. Senior year, I, I had a really, really good year defensively, offensively. I thought I was probably one of the better catchers in the state. Um, I was undersized, though. I wasn't really I, – I was kind of bigger growing up. And my senior year, I trimmed a lot of weight in a good way. I was way more athletic. But from the outside looking in, I was probably thin for a catcher. I was probably undersized. I was probably like 170 pounds. So I wasn't really getting these, like, big, big looks – um, which wasn't, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't really worried about that. I just, at my senior year, I was, I was, I'd say very focused. I kind of changed, you know, a lot of things that I did habit wise and really, you know, bought into development. And I was fortunate enough to go get an offer to go to, um, Wilmington university. It's a D two school up in Delaware, which, um, I actually wanted to get away my seat. Like I wanted to leave Florida, which is like, crazy for people down here. Everyone wants to stay home. Everyone wants to be local. And I actually had some like decent D2 looks locally. And I like, I looking back, I don't know what was going on in my mind, but like, I would not even show to some of these showcases or workouts for schools that were inviting me. And I'm like, nah, the offers are going to come. The offers are going to come. I'm, I'm a great baseball player. And fortunately I, I didn't get offered till after I graduated college really by the school that I went to. And I ended up getting a couple late offers, but I went up to play D2 ball up at Wilmington. Um, and it was just the, the best experience in the world. And, you know, I try to tell kids all the time, especially when the conversation comes up of uh, staying locally, staying in your hometown, like you're going to grow up going away. Like there's nothing wrong with getting outside your comfort zone. I mean, think about all the stuff we talk about, about growth as hitters, you know, developing, like we talk so much about change and comfort and, and, you know, doing stuff differently and, me go knowing myself and, and not, I, I thought it was the, the right decision to go away. And I, you know, I went up there and it was tough at first and it was different. And oh, I mean, everything, you know, the living situation, the people, everything was different, but I loved every minute of it. You know, we had a ton of success. Um, I, I can't say enough about Brian August, my head coach, um, my assistant coaches there, the the program, my teammates. It really was just the best thing in the world. We ended up going to a D2 World Series my senior year. Had I was there for like the best year in school history. My sophomore year, we won 42 games. My senior year, we were the first school, first team to ever go to a World Series. Knocked off Franklin Pierce. They were number one in the nation. I mean, it was it was a it was a great ending to my college career and. Um, Unfortunately, I, I had some uh, injuries, self, you know, did it to myself, not taking care of my body, not really dedicating stuff to dedicating myself to stuff outside the weight room or outside the field, stretching, hydrating, dieting. And um, I kind of had struggles with injuries all through college. I was fortunate enough to play for be a starter for three years and never they were never big enough to take me off the field. But, um, you know, I, I didn't really have any offer. I didn't really have an opportunity to play pro baseball. And when time came, I kind of realized like, Hey, you know, I'm kind of banged up. I, my body's not really in that great of shape. You know, I, I called it quits on baseball after my senior year. And, and then I came down, did some other, did some other things. I wasn't really in baseball right away. And, um, I got this terrible coaching job looking back, but I loved it. And, and like two years out of uh, my senior year was when I got into coaching for the first time. And, you know, and here I, and here I am five, six years later.
Yeah, man. No, that's awesome. Actually, I did the exact opposite. I'm from like the Boston area. I went, I went down, I played at Rollins. So I went, <laughs> I went the other route. I went, I went down to Florida. Okay. Get me out of Massachusetts. No baseball players come out of Massachusetts. Like, yeah, yeah. even though Franklin Pierce is like, is an absolutely great. Oh player. yeah. You guys are out there. You got Southern New Hampshire. There's some good, there, I, I know, I'm familiar with the area up here but i was like i need to i need to be in the sun while i play baseball like yeah yeah i I don't know what was going on in my brain to get away from the sun but (laughs) yeah um so cool so now you're like you know you're really dedicated to to the hitting aspect it seems like you have some high level athletes you have some some guys who can really swing it i mean i was you know in prep for the podcast literally i'm just going through the account i'm like what's your coaching style what's your coaching philosophy like how are you talking to these kids because you know i think you know, being a great coach is, you know, you can have all the data and the insights in the world, but if you're not a good communicator, then it doesn't really matter. So you have to, you have to figure out how to communicate with kids. So, you know, what, you know, how do you relate to kids? How do you communicate with kids and kind of, you know, what, what is your coaching style and your coaching philosophy? Okay. So I, I could go on, I, I could go on for about an hour and a half about that, but, um, all right. So I'll start with like, um, you know, the communication, I guess, or, at first, when I first started getting into hitting, you know, I, um, I become a coach and I didn't really have a direction. I didn't really know I was doing a lot of different stuff. I was like the head coach of my high school at one point, Then I did some travel stuff. And then I started to kind of uh, zero in on hitting. And first, you know, it, you, you kind of mentioned it earlier about all the information out there, the transition in the past five years and, when me and you played, I'm, I'm very close in age. I'm 29. I turned 30 this year. And, um, it was nothing like that 10 years ago. Like there was there, the video, the, the data, the information on the kinematic sequence. Um, e- I mean, everything, the reports, everything was different. And I start to look at this stuff and, and realize like, man, like I'm like right in the center of like this massive change in baseball like and I thought it was exciting I thought it was cool just like you said you're bought in I was like man this is this is nothing like it was five years ago like I can learn this stuff and I can have an edge as a young coach because the older guys who have been doing this for 20 years and they're great coaches I'm not even saying like oh old school is terrible but but they didn't have access to this stuff and no one did. And now I'm, I'm young, I'm getting into this and I'm like, man, if I, you know, really dig into this, I can kind of, I guess, level up quicker than a lot of other coaches. So the first couple of years is like all physical stuff. I'm like, uh, I read like Ryan Fuller's, um, book. That was like one of the first books I read. Um, you know, I read, um, Bobby Tewksbury's hitting book, and I'm starting to understand barrel playing and, and sequencing and how we rely on our body. And, and it's, I mean, hands, dude, we said it earlier, like when I played, it was all hands, all hands and all this other stuff is, is body and sequencing and using your hips, using the ground. So I'm like very drawn towards it at first. I'm like in the cage. Cause I didn't really have many clients at first. I'm in the cage doing it myself. And I start to, you know, transition into understanding this stuff a little bit better. And here's kind of where I got it wrong or looking back, like I wanted those first couple of years where it was only hitting and I, and I got my facility job and I started doing, started getting clients. I'm like, all I'm talking about is physical stuff and, and you got to move like this and you got to move like that. And, and I knew that, you know, every bot, every individual is different and like how they get to these positions is going to be different. 
but I guess I didn't realize like how important is, is the mind and how much of a role does like experimentation, understanding, like doing research, like learning how to use your control, your body front, you know, starting with the mind first. So I had some guys that it would work with and I had some guys that excelled. And then I had some guys that just couldn't move the way I wanted them to. And I just didn't understand why. And then I'd say, you know, there was a turning point where I was, I took pride in being, I'd say about a year and a half ago was kind of when I transitioned into becoming a better coach at least. And, um, you know, the growth never stops. It's never like I'm here. I made it, but about a year and a half ago, actually like right around quarantine, to be honest, when I was at home researching, I didn't have clients. I wasn't working. Um, I started to take pride in being like a problem solver. Like instead of thinking about the solution and what it should look like, really trying to identify issues. What's the biggest source of this guy struggling, whether it's mental, whether it's physical, whether it's his lower half, like what's trying to identify what's the number one thing that's preventing this guy from having success and then start there and then experiment with different stuff. Talk about different different feels, different thoughts. And, you know, that was, I think, um, looking back or looking at the guys that I work with now, you know, that was, I, I started working with higher level athletes. And I mean, it's, it's a blessing to be where I'm at because I do get to work with some young players who are incredibly good. I mean, I look at these kids and they're 15, 16 years old and their swings are better than mine was in the prime of my college career. And, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. It's, it's super, um, you know, it's exciting stuff. I, uh, I'd say it to dive a little bit deeper too into the physical stuff. Um, in terms of philosophy, um, I really zero. So now I like one of the starting points when I do an assessment is going to be how they engage their backside pretty much from the hip hinge to the glute to connecting their heel and connecting that back foot into the ground and making sure the posture lines up in a good position um, that's kind of a, you know, in terms of philosophy, like that's, I'm very big on that. I think um, when we look at the swing, when we look at problems that happen with our hands, with when we start to rotate with how we attack the baseball, if you work backwards, if you look at a bad move, maybe the hands disconnecting, maybe the posture coming up, maybe the front side flying off the ball, the first and you know, the, I think players misdiagnosis all the time. Parents misdiagnosis coaches admit like high school and I'm not knocking high school coaches. There's great ones out there, but like a kid will come in and my hands are terrible or, you know, I'm, I'm rotating off the ball and I'm like, all right, well, your focus is all on that move, that end result. You're looking at the final piece of the puzzle. The body moves in sequence. Like that stuff has, is at the end. The source is probably something earlier. Mm-hmm. And when I start and, you know, and you just, as a coach, I, I, as I dive more into this stuff, I started to realize like a lot of issues happen in your initial move or a lot, a lot of late issues, late problems with the hands, with the barrel, with the body or the posture happen because we either start too late or rushed. We don't know how to properly engage the ground, how to, what our glute feels like as opposed to our quad. We don't know if our weight is on the edge of our foot, on our toes, on our heels. And with my guys, I'm very big on like, we're going to work our hands. I'm not knocking the hands. Like you're, you're going to address your barrel path and your hands 
the first 10 minutes. That's all we're going to do. We're going to work our hands. We're going to get our hand-eye coordination down. We're going to get a feel for the barrel. We're going to try to feel that palm up turning through contact. We're going to hold that top hand through the zone for a long time. Like we're going to, I think those are reps. Like I think that at some point, if you just swing and swing and you know what the purpose is for your barrel, what the purpose is for the hand staying tight, you know, staying connected to the body, holding that direction. It just becomes second nature at some point. Like you look at major leaguers, they all have clean barrel path. Every single major leaguer has a, a very high level barrel path for the most part. They don't need to correct. Like once they got to that point, it's just, you know, cleaning up maybe a little bit of movement here and there. It It's just the reps, you know, making sure that early on you're doing stuff with a purpose, you're addressing that path, but they don't, you don't see the bigger adjustments. I feel like with the hands after a certain point. So with my guys, we spend that first 10 minutes on the hands, but then there's a transition where it's like, okay, all right, the hands are good. You, you established certain things that we wanted to early on. All right. Like now in order for your hands and your barrel to do those things that we want them to do, you have to establish a good first move into that backside, into the ground, into that back hip, and then make, obviously the timing plays a big aspect of it. You, you, you want to start early. So you, you don't rush your moves. You're not out of control, but from there, if I have an initial good move and I have a purpose for how I want my body to move or where I want my body to get to. So like, I'll start with, this is the peak of your load. Like you need to engage this, get your posture here and go look at, go look at the best hitters in the world. Like at the peak of their leg kick or their move back or their gather, they're all pretty much engaged in the same muscles. They're grounded. Their posture has a good angle over the plate. You know, hands are somewhere off the shoulder. And then from there, everything gets easier. You just shift, you get to an athletic position. That's the, you know, that's the, the end goal for my body is to land balanced, connected, have a good athletic position. And then, the hands are going to do what they want. If you understand the body and you understand that the hips and, and using the ground as a trigger from our core to our shoulders, and then the hands in the barrel end up last, like your hands are going to do what you want them to do. You're going to be in a better position now, but they don't have to do as much. So, you know, I think um, a lot of guys coming in their focus, you know, I asked them like, what's the issue or what, you know, what's one thing you think you need to work on? And, and my barrel gets long. I, I'm hooking balls. I'm, you know, I, I get underneath the ball, this and that. And it's like, you, you let's, let's work on your body for 10 minutes and you might do something completely different with your hands and your barrel that you would have never done if you were focusing on your hands and your barrel, like naturally your hands are going to be in a better position now and you don't have to do as much focus on something else and let's look at your, let's reassess your barrel path. And I found that like, that's a, a big source of just problems and misdiagnosing problems in the swing. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you had a lot there and I want to dive into a couple different places. <laughs> you know, number one is like, I love that you start from the beginning, right? Because by the time, by the time you, you know, you roll a ball over or your, 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 your bats out of the zone or whatever, um, it's already too late. So I love that you're starting so early. And I mean, I think even like Jose Batista kind of popularized this, like when he really got good, which now kind of a while ago, he went from this like wide stance guy who was just late on balls because he was just trying to flick the ball the other way to starting super tall and super, super early. So by the time his, you know, his, his foot is down and everything, his swings already started before the ball comes in. And then it's just little adjustments with his barrel path at the end. 
And when I saw that, I was like, light bulb went off. Cause I was like, wow, like that's what starting early is. It's not, um, it's not being quick. It's putting your, your body in a great position and putting your barrel in a great position, um, you know, way ahead of before you even think if you're going to swing or not. Um, it used to be like this. Yes. Yes. No mentality, which like, get, or I, get the foot down or like get the foot yeah. down quick. <laughs> yeah. It, it used to be that. And like, it just never translated to me. So I like the way that like people like you and other, you know, like you mentioned, uh, you mentioned like Tukes, um, you know, Bobby Tuxbury, he was someone who, who pretty much like changed the way I thought about hitting and he's a local guy too. So I've, I've, I've got to like meet up with him and just like nerd out. For oh, that's pretty, I bet that was really cool. I saw him at ABCA give a little demonstration with hit tracks and it was very interesting. So very smart guy. Yeah. Yeah. And just like for, for context, but like, if you don't know who Bobby Tuxbury is, he, he was Josh Donaldson's hitting coach for a little while. He threw in the home run derby. He was, he was throwing BP to him. I didn't um, know. I had no yeah. idea. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So he's like, and, and Josh Donaldson is like, you know, a lot Another of people, people, there's a lot of conflict around him. He's yeah. a very smart guy. And I'll say this too. You want to listen to major league hitters talk about hitting, listen to guys that weren't that good at first that were never freakishly talented. Like those guys had to learn and educate themselves a lot more than the guys who were superstars out the gate day one. Like JD Martinez is a, is an intellect. That guy is so smart and he learned so much swing. And then Donaldson too, they're going to give you a better explanation. Like they're, they're going to give you a better understanding than, you know, like I said, the guy, the physical guys, the, the insanely, and I hate saying gifted because I don't really, I think everyone put in work, everyone worked on their swing, but I think some people maybe experienced maybe better coaching, better environment at an early age. So they didn't have to dive into the research as much as other guys, like, you know, the two that I just mentioned. Yeah. And like, I couldn't agree with you more. Like, and I have like a couple of perfect, perfect examples that I think are perfect. One is watching Nelson Cruz hit off a tee. And the other one is watching Josh Donaldson hit off a tee. Totally, totally different. Nelson Cruz, like clearly put in the work. I mean, but he's, he's, a, he's this big dude. He's got a completely different philosophy of hitting um, than we're seeing. With the one-handed work. He does the one-handed down work and he's just like staying here the whole time. Yeah. yeah. And like, that's what, that is what works for him. And me and uh, if you know, Casey Smith, we had a conversation about that. Oh, love, love. I'd say, I would say Casey Smith is probably from what I've seen, the best coach in on Instagram that, you know, when I've seen him talk at explaining complex things, very simply, he's a phenomenal communicator. Like one of my favorite guys to hear break down these crazy movements and just make it so easy to understand. Yeah. So I had, I had Casey on the podcast, uh, last year and man, like hour and a half of just knowledge, like, yeah, was, yeah. um, because he was such a good communicator. Um, but you know, what we're, what we're talking about is, is basically, you know, Donaldson is like exceptional at efficiencies in his body, right? Not a big guy like his, we can, we can say sequencing, we can say all these different words, but when it it's efficient, like, he's using he his body to create the best swing. Yeah. And he creates so much torque so effortlessly and so consistently. So, I mean, that's a really difficult thing to, to communicate because it's not rigid. It's really hard to um, show, uh, you know, an athlete how to do something, um, that 
by its like very nature requires a lot of momentum and your body's working with momentum. And it's really hard to show people that statically. You know what I mean? It's hard to show stretch. It's hard to show torso separation and hips and like all this different stuff. But, um, you know, from all of this, right, you've broken everything down. You've seen all these athletes. Like what is like one thing where an athlete comes to you, you know, talented, like, you know, they're, they're already a good baseball player, but they come in and, um, and just something's a little bit off. Right. So what's like the most common mistake you see, um, that, you know, pretty good hitters come in, um, really fresh and they start working with you. What's, what's some of the most common mistakes you see? Um, I, well, I would say not being as efficient with that first move and, you know, I'm not going to dive back into it, but like, just because I said a lot of the, the main problem or the issue that I might see in the swing, it might be the hands or not clean barrel path. It might not clean timing. That's going to translate to barrel path. But when I really, really look into it, it's just not a good first move or not an efficient first move. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want, and you said something earlier about Batista standing upright. And this is something that, I, I've talked, I talked to Doug Lotta about um, a few months back and I started really looking at him talk about hitting on YouTube. And, and then I started to kind of shift, you know, a lot of my research to guys standing more upright. So this is something that I think most don't understand, or I'd say like one thing that the majority, I think a lot of that is known out there. I think a lot of, you know, barrel playing, using your hips, the ground. I think a lot of that stuff is generally known across the board. Now, um, when we look at guys who start wider, it's not that it can't work. I think it's harder to engage that backside the right way. I think it takes more movement to engage the backside. I think that it makes our timing mechanism maybe a little more rushed or more complex and when I, and I, I talked to Lada and, and the first time this guy like blew my mind, the first time I, I talked to him on the phone, someone reached out to me who worked with him, who I had a good relationship with, told me to talk to this guy, he's super smart. And if I get off the phone and I'm like, I have no idea what this guy's talking about. Like he like, it, it was way over my head, but then, you know, I, I, I know that he's super successful. He works with Justin Turner. He's this great hitting coach something there, something that he's talking about. That's right. So I I keep listening to the interviews and I keep, and I come across this video with him talking to um, someone else. I forget who it was. And he basically said like two things that made a lot of sense to me. He was like, if you're really wide, you're going to, your lower half is going to be very restricted or it can be very restricted. You're not going to move athletically. And then he says that the majority of people, when they get to two strikes, um, widen out and he's like they they become less adjustable with the wider stance so i know that moving athletically and moving efficiently is going to directly translate to being adjustable so those two things like stick out to me and then i start to really dive into it and i notice that if i'm more upright if and it's not a, i shouldn't even say upright if my feet are more narrow and i don't have to move this way as much because when you're wide and you think about loading back, loading into the backside instincts, tell us we got to go this way. We have to have a negative move towards the catcher. If I'm in this more relaxed upright position, 
I'm not going to want to move that way. I'm going to want to engage down. If I know that I need to get in my backside, I need to get in the ground. I'm going to shift my weight or my body basically in a downward angle more so than a backwards angle. So what happens from there that I've seen, and you know, I, I started messing around with guys who are wider and I'm like, Hey, try this, try this. Let's feel this. I found that it's a quicker, simpler move, right? Less, it's less movement. Uh, you're, I'm not going to move my whole body back. I just got to sit. I just got to anchor down. It's quicker. It's simpler. But then from there, I now can slow the game down. Like my forward move, we know that our forward move is our timing. We know that our forward move has to shift weight. We have to hold connection to the ground. We have to hold posture and get to a good launch position. By me cutting out unnecessary movement, unnecessary time, I now can slow the game down. I can hold my balance. I have better stability. I, I know how my weight is shifting. Like I have a better sense of using the ground of how my body wants to work. And then that's where I found like the adjustability factor, the power factor, the just being consistent with your moves. Everything got a lot easier with guys. So, you know, I, and I'll, I won't tell it, like, I'll never tell a guy, Hey, like this isn't going to work. Like, no, there's outliers. Like Trey Turner has kind of a wider sense. He's, he's having a, he's an unbelievable hitter. I'll say this to this though, two guys, the majority, if you write down a list of, in your mind, the 20 best hitters in baseball, right? The guys who are wider are massive. They're your Aaron judge, your Freddie Freeman's your Juan Soto. Those aren't you. Those guys aren't you. If they are, and you're super strong and it's working. All right. I'm all for it. But if you're an athletic kid or you're an average size kid and you want to be more efficient, you want to move more athletically, which I kind of think we all are capable of, you know, we might have to get in the weight room. We might have to open up our hips, be a little bit more mobile to do so. But if you want to be more athletic with your stance, look at, look, go study Mookie Betts, Bellinger, Yelich, Acuna, Tatis, Machado, like the list goes on. Those are your best hitters in baseball who are athletic and they all start pretty narrow shoulders hands are relaxed. They're not getting big up top. Some of them have bias. You know, you have some guys that have more movement here, but there's not a lot of tension in the shoulders and there's not even these big leg kicks. Like I remember seven, eight years ago, I thought everyone in baseball had a massive leg kick. And we know now that like the backs, you know, in terms of power, the leg kick isn't, necessarily going to create more power for you. It's more of like a tempo rhythm thing, comfort thing. But I think with all the information that's in major league baseball, now these guys just don't care about these leg kicks anymore. They're, or they're a lot more quiet. They're, they're more quiet moves, but it's ground it's backside. It's begin that forward move and transition to your forward move because that's when I really need to be at my best. My timing has to be there. I have to see the ball really well. I have to make good decisions. I have to, and it has like a, a, a carryover to how our, our mind works. Like if I don't feel rushed, if I don't feel like I'm running out of time and I feel balanced because I'm going to feel it, my mind knows that my body's either not on time or not in a good position. Or if it is now I'm comfortable with letting that ball travel. I'm comfortable in my body and it's going to translate hopefully to better decision-making to, you know, just a more comfort or a comfortable approach. And that's, I'd say, you know, back to your question, like a big thing 
that I've dove into is like, just experiment with guys like, Hey, let's shorten you up a little bit. Don't think about going this way. Just try to sit in the ground and, and get out and, and let's see where you land. Let's see if it's easier, more effortless. And you know, that's the goal is like effortless power, consistent moves, not feeling rushed, you know, being in control of our bodies. Yeah, man, you mentioned so many good hitters, right? I mean, it's pretty easy to like, to find good hitters nowadays, but like, uh, Mookie is just someone that you could just study all day. Like not very insanely uh, efficient. Challenger, same thing. Like watching him take hacks in the cage. Someone posted a video on Instagram. I'm like, I've watched this a hundred times and it's just like, like it's, it's just so much fun to watch Ballinger, but you know, someone who I've really, really studied, um, it, you know, actually since like, like he was probably in high school, um, cause he was, he was in the, uh, the Rollins area where I went to college. So I met him a couple of times when he was like really young, it's Bo Bichette. Um, oh yeah. I, 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 I saw him too in high school actually because of his strength coach. The, um, ah, I forget. He works out at the strength and conditioning coach in North Florida or St. Petersburg or somewhere in that area. So I did, I saw him as well when he was like 16, 17. Yeah. And you're like, he had a massive leg kick when he was like 16, he was a little bit thicker, I think. And then, I mean, his high school stats are ridiculous, but when I see Bo Bichette, I'm just like, he has so much flexibility with his, like with his neck up top. So he has both eyes on the pitcher his barrels like completely wrapped around and then just like the separation between his hips and his, his upper body is just insane. Um, I think he's just going to win a batting tail. He's so young. I'm a huge fan of him. So touching on him, he, there's a guy and, and you know, it's, it, he's a young superstar in the game and you'll, you'll see those big moves, right? Here's the thing about that. That's a lot of responsibility. That's a, that's a guy who's put in the work. His yeah. dad was, I've listened to his dad talk about hitting his dad's very cerebral, very smart guy. So, and you know, I, I have to imagine that he was his biggest influence on hitting growing up. <laughs> um, Bo Bichette has been doing this for years. He puts in the work in the weight room to be efficient to, he probably, does yoga stretches and he probably takes phenomenal care of his body. So the, you know, like for a young kid, I'll say, let's, let's get a base. or let's get a foundation. Like you can get to that, but if you do that stuff and you're mimicking those guys, like that dude's a freak athlete, that dude's been swinging for 15, 20 years and is very aware of his body and has a purpose for every little thing he does. Like, those guys know where their hands are. He can tell you what his hip is doing. He knows what his with the position of his posture. He knows where the weight is throughout his swing. Like you ask your typical younger player that, like they can't answer most of those questions. So, you know, it's just it gets dangerous sometimes when we, you know, mimic some of those guys. I think um, you know, I'll try to compare guys. You know, when I see a hitter, I see a, a certain move that's similar to a major leaguer and it, and it seems natural for them. That's kind of how their body works. You know, I'll try to find something relatively close to how they move, you know, but I, I and it's, you know, I'm, it's not like I'm saying Bichette's swing is bad or anything. No, I'm, it's the opposite. I'm saying it's so comp. It's like Donaldson. Same thing with Donaldson. You're talking about a lot of complex movements that have been put in place you know, over years and years and years, and now they're excelling and they're able to maximize their output because of everything that happened prior. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, Donaldson, Bichette, Mookie, like all these people, <laughs> the goal isn't to mimic them. It's to take parts of their swing. They're going to help you make your swing better. So, yeah. you know, and I, I, I totally agree with that. If you go in the cage tomorrow and try to hit like Donaldson, you're not going to have success. You're yeah. You're going to. He, he, he did micro movements for about 20 or 15 years to get to the point he's at from understanding that. Yeah. Uh, and like, exactly like you said, I think you make a great point. Like the, you know, the goal is to get your, you know, the, the player better. If we can use one part of Bichette or Bellinger or Arenado or whoever swing to help them just understand more contextually um, how to use their body, I think that's important. But um, I do want to give some like, like, I think you're really great, obviously, from a technical standpoint. So I want to give people um, something tactical to walk away from this, this, this podcast with. And it seems like you've been really working on back hip stuff recently on, on your Instagram page. Really, you know, you talked about it starting earlier and just, you know, not focusing on the result, focusing on the start and getting in a good position. You talk about posture a lot, but, um, you know, before you just mentioned, you know, getting into a good position with your back hip, what is a good position with your back hip and how do you get into that position? So, I mean, with, in terms of the hip, it's going to be a hip hinge move and you can, it's a squat move. You know, you, when you squat, you hip hinge, if you're squatting correctly, um, you can go on YouTube and literally type in hip hinge. Um, one thing that I'll also kind of add on to the hip is a lot of guys when they sink into their hips or load in the backside, think of it more as just, you're just sitting in your hips and, what will happen is, or what can happen, not all the time, but I'd say I'd see it pretty regularly. You're going to get, you're going to become engaged in your quad and your weight's going to shift on the front of your foot. And it'll look, you'll look at like the peak or the load of that move and it'll look right. It'll look the part, but then we know that, you know, when we get in that muscle, when we, our weight goes to the front of that foot, we're going to get pushy or, jump or we're just not going to feel we're not getting that connection we're not really anchoring into the ground and, and building a you know stability for the forward move and then we lose the ground the I'll, I'll have guys slight i try to get them to slightly counter rotate it if their hips permitted if they are able to get a little bit of an internal rotation with the hips as well while they're sinking. Mm. And I found that that really helps them engage their glutes and then get that heel planted, get that foot planted. So in terms of like the back hip, that's kind of how I'll explain the first part of it. Like we want a slight counter rotation and if, you know, if our body allows it and that's just going to help us build that foundation. So that's going to help us get to that, that, good backside move in the ground. And then from there, we're holding that hinge. We're holding that hip flexion, like a thing that goes hand in hand with the quad or loading the quad and on the toes or when we get jumpy or push. If you feel like you're losing the ground, right? If you feel like you're not balanced and you're just not in control when you stride, you, you know, you just don't feel comfortable with that forward move you're probably getting extension then out of that back hip. Like you're probably getting length in that back hip. Go back to the first move. If it, you know, try a little counter rotation, maybe try to sit in that backside. If you feel like you got it, you're in the right muscle group. You're, you feel stable, just hold it. Then like you're holding that hip flexion, you're holding that angle with your top half. You're just letting your weight shift like pitchers and all the pitchers move like, they don't jump off the mound. They're not reaching off the mound. At some point they might 
their back foot might leave the rubber, but though that as they shift down the mound, it's not a rush move. They're just letting their weight shift. They're just letting their body kind of work their, its way down the mound. And that engagement and that hit in the ground is loaded the entire forward move. So like your load, your buildup doesn't stop when you begin going forward. It continues to load that whole time. And you're just letting your body go. Like, I'll just have, I'll just tell guys like, Hey, get out, like get in there and get out. And I'll kind of hold their hip or I'll like kind of keep them engaged in that backside. And then, you know, they feel it. And then like, you realize like that forward move is so much more control to get like, and I'll tell, I'll close my eyes and I'll have a bat or maybe I won't or whatever, but I'll close my eyes. I'll stand upright and I'll go through loads and I'll go through like seven or eight of them. And I'll, tell guys like I know I'm landing in the same position every single time and I'll go through as slowly as I can. And like, I'll show them like this process. And I'll just tell guys like, uh, because I know I have a purpose or I know that initial move, how to engage my hip. I know what the end result's going to look like. I have control. It becomes very effortless. So like, you know, you, you, and you mentioned earlier, like a, a takeaway too for guys or something to work on, get the bat out of your hand. Stop focusing on the baseball. You, you got to be able to do it at its purest source. Like you got to just feel your body, do it or find a cue, find a thought process to help you do it. And then you got to do it over and over and over. And when you feel like you understand the move and you're feeling what you're supposed to be feeling, then it's going to be repeatable on the tee. Then it, it's repeatable in front toss or side toss, then in BP then it'll carry into the game. But the problem with a lot of this stuff is everyone wants, you know, instant gratification. They want the results right away. And it's just hard for guys to slow the game down. And, and in the middle of a lesson or in the middle of a practice with a team to buy into, you know, those early adjustments, those movement adjustments. So I, you know, we do movement stuff at our facility and we mid round, I'll, I'll kick a bat out of a guy's hand and, and just tell them that we're just going to focus on one simple move, like one, one internal focus and get really good at that. Dude. I love that. And I think, you know, it's, it's, it's so important to do uh, to what you just explained pretty much. So, you know, if I always told, I always told my, you know, my athletes, if you don't understand something, like if I say, make sure you're in a good position on your back hip and they're like, yeah, yeah, sure. Like, if you don't understand that, then my comment didn't really make any sense. So I think you just added a lot of context to what it actually means to be in your back hip. And uh, obviously, if you go to your Instagram, uh, Matt Lopes Baseball, um, or Matt Lopes, Matt Lopes Baseball. It's Matt, you know, you had to write this time. You, you said Matt Lopes hitting initially. I was like, I'll just let it ride. <laughs> You'll type in Matt Lopes. I'll pop up. There's not, there's no one else with an F at the end of Matt Lopes. We're going to tag you in all the right stuff. We're going to tag you in all the right stuff anyway. <laughs> Um, but yeah, man, if you go to your, if, if you know, anyone listening, if you, if you go to, to Matt Lopes baseball on Instagram, you can just see working on this back hip, this like tiny movement, um, which is like the basis and the start. And then you're working on posture and leaning over. And I mean, it's just endless stuff on your account, man. Um, you know, this was, this was so much fun. We're definitely gonna have to do a round two. Cause like we just, oh, I got, I, I, like, I'm ready for another hour of this. I got, I got a ton more. I could talk all day. After the back hip, there's a lot more left in the swing, obviously. So I hope this isn't the last time that we can jump on a podcast and press record. I actually kind of like that we're leaving a little bit hanging as well. Uh, Cause I think, you know, this is just 
this is the fun of the podcast. Like this is mm -hmm. what I love talking about. I love learning from guys like you who are, are, uh, you know, care about your athletes so much and are putting so much detail and attention, um, you know, into your craft. And I appreciate it as, you know, as a coach, as a fan, as, as everything, I think it's just so much fun to learn from you and hear your insights. And, uh, I definitely want to have you on again and we'll get past the back hip as well. And we'll yeah. Cause I'm like, we could, we could be on here for two hours easily. It's like not a question. Oh, I'm, I'm, I, I could talk. Yeah. The, the mental side, um, <laughs> I dieting and, and yoga and meditation. I, you know, I, I love it all. I, I try to, I, I would like to say, I try to add a lot of different tools to, you know, my, me as a hitting coach and, and try to work on a lot of different things, you know, and, uh, the, you know, like I said, the, um, you know, with my guys, we start there with the posture and stuff. And then, you know, you have higher level guys who need to work on their minds more, but it's all, you know, it's all great information. There's so much stuff out there and it, it's, you know, it's just a never ending process. You're always learning new stuff and I love it. Dude, I love this. Um, I have a, a couple like rapid fire questions to you, and then I want you to jump on, plug anything you're working on, where people uh, uh, and supports what you're doing and learn some um, from, from your teaching. Uh, but uh, first rapid fire question, what advice would you give your 16 year old self as a hitter? Have discipline outside the baseball field. He, you can have a great work ethic in the weight room or on, or on a baseball field and love hitting. But if you don't do stuff right from the classroom to hydrating, to stretching, to taking care of your body, you're gonna burn out at some point. You're going to hit a wall at some point. Dude, it's great advice. I mean, the, the older I've got, you know, when you're a little bit younger, you can just wake up, go play baseball. Um, you think baseball too? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can just wake up and you don't get hurt. But there were guys that you know they're doing the little stretching, they're taking their time, they're getting there a little bit early. They're they're they they have that little bit of extra focus. All those guys are still playing. You know what I mean? It it really does carry over. Um, and you know, if it doesn't when you're younger, the discipline does. So it's like it's a win-win no matter what. Like if you, if you really didn't need to do that extra stretch when you're, when you're 14 years old, um, because you didn't, you weren't going to pull your hip flexor anyway, when you're 25 years old, you're, you're going to pull your yeah, hip flexor. You've already been doing it for 10 years. So yeah, no, hundred percent. The habits are, the habits outside the field are so important. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just translatable. So, I mean, that's great advice. Um, so this, I'm not even going to preface this question, but I've asked this for, to a few people, um, it's either really easy or really hard. Um, explain hitting in under 60 seconds. The hardest thing to do in the world. It is probably more mental than physical, even though we talked about all the physical stuff. Um, it, you are going to experience failure. You're going to have highs, you're going to have lows, but the high of hitting a baseball really far is probably the greatest feeling on earth. And that's probably why it's the hardest thing on earth. Um, there's nothing like it across pro sports. Um, and it's just, and there's no, there's no one person that perfected it. No one has it figured out. No one got to where they're at and just stopped learning. It's just a no, never ending process. And, you know, it's, it, it's like I said, it's just unlike anything else in, across sports. It's, 
you know, but the, it's all worth it. When you get on, when you get in that box and you find that barrel and you hit, hit a ball cleanly, you know, it's, it's the best feeling in the world. No yeah. doubt. About it. it really is. You just like, just take on the field. Um, I shouldn't, I have no business doing, but, uh, absolutely. You cut it. You cut out for a second. I didn't hear what you said right there. Uh, so you got me all fired up. I want to go take BP right now. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to work on getting my back hip. I don't know. I, I literally, I have a bat behind me at all times. So at, at, I'll, I'll be having calls with people during the day talking about plate crate and stuff. And uh, people are like, what are you doing right now? And I'm like, I'm just getting you at your desk. You at your desk? No, I'm taking hacks in my living room. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely turned into a dry hack monster. Cause I, uh, I don't think I've taken BP in a year. Um, oh yeah don't go out and do it today it's not gonna look pretty it's it's not but man we're uh we're throwing up a, a batting cage we're moving warehouses so we're gonna throw up an, a new batting cage in our new warehouse oh that's cool that's really cool yeah so we had one in our last warehouse and it was like i'd be on a call i'd take five minutes i'd go take you know 10 hacks off the tee i'd come back to my call and i was like you're i'm, I'm hitting all day when i had that cage so I oh that's all that that just makes work that much better. It's not even work at that point. Yeah. You know what? You can't be a baseball company and not have a baseball cage in your office. Cause it's like, what do we, I got to test the products too. Um, last question. If you had a billboard to reach, um, you know, every young baseball player, um, you know, that's, that's, you know, up to college level. Um, so you have a billboard, it's non-commercial. It's just to get them better at hitting. So a really small amount of space. Um, what advice would you give them to be a better hitter today? Focus on the little things. Yeah. So, or, yeah. Something, something with the mind man. Fo get, get your mind to, zero, to focus on the, on the details of the game. Cause you know, it's like I said earlier, it, it, it's only so much physical, you know, it's, it, if this has got to be really sharp, you want to, you want to keep getting better in this game. Dude, I love it. I think that'll, that'll help everybody just thinking about that. Um, Matt, dude, great to meet you. Great to talk to you. That was so much fun. I, I'm sure it was super helpful to everyone that was listening. Um, the mic is yours. Plug, you know, anything that you want. If You know, your website, Instagram, what you're working on and where people can just find you. Uh, yeah, so um, once again, Matt Lopes Baseball is the Instagram page. Um, really active on there. I try to give out as much information as I can. That's really my only, um, social media platform. I have a Twitter. I don't really use it though, but, um, I work at the Grindhouse in South Florida. It's in Pembroke Pines. Um, you know, if you're in South Florida, you want to come in and get some work with me, I'd love to have you in there, put you through an assessment and, and get to work. Um, for any other hitters out there that, you know, want to take away something from the podcast. Um, one thing I try to try to stress to my hitters, um, when we talk about separation from competition, you know, doing the things that no one likes are going to be those separators. Everyone loves to hit people like getting in the weight room. Now everyone has a strength coach or a speed coach and does arm programs. And, and I know this cause I train guys in South Florida. I, I know thousands of baseball players that, do all these physical things on a regular basis. They have great physical work ethics. If you want to be the 1% of the 1% or you have, you know, goals of being a D one baseball player or a pro baseball player, you got to find separators. And a lot of times it's dieting, maybe reading, 
meditation, yoga, focusing on hydrating on a daily basis, getting better sleep. Those are the things that usually get, doesn't get discussed and, and player young players, especially the 16, 17 year olds, 15, 16 year olds, they don't really buy into right away. So that's one thing, you know, and, and I know cause I was that guy, I was that player that thought the game was physical and, and I had a good swing and, you know, I had a good work ethic, I thought, but eventually, you know, my body only did so many good things for me. And it was the stuff that I wasn't doing that I just named, you know, those are the separators. So, you know, I try to stress that the importance of that stuff too. Obviously you need the physical stuff that I need, but those are the separators. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for being on. Uh, we'll have to do around two. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Appreciate it. Thank you, Josh. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to Spotlight by Play Crane. And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Until next time, take care.